All right. Well, uh, praise the Lord. We've uh, we had a great couples retreat, and hopefully, uh, uh, if you were there, you enjoyed it. And hopefully, if you weren't there, and you maybe one day be able to come, it'd be great. Uh, we're going to the book of Proverbs. If you go to the book of Proverbs, uh, we're going to do that. I know that Brother Hopper's been teaching on finance. So we got some of his in here. Of course, uh, he's been having like 20-something people that come to his class. And, uh, and when they found out he wasn't going to be here this week, uh, I think either they went to some other class or they didn't come to church. Uh, so I'm going to tell them next time, just don't announce the fact that you're leaving. And uh, maybe they'll give me a little grace and... and uh, but I am, but before I even go into Proverbs, since he's been teaching them on finances, and he may have addressed this, but I'm going to throw out something for, especially these younger ones and young couples and different things here. Uh, just this, this thought, uh, especially as you uh, start dealing with your, your finances, one of the big temptations in the society that we're in today is, uh, is well, it's just the norm for two-income families. That's what the norm is. It's the norm to uh, that we're we're gonna you know both go to work and uh, now uh, if before you have children, I don't really have a problem with that. I think it's something you have to be careful of. But uh, but here's what you have to do if you're ever gonna have if you're gonna have two incomes. Here's what you got to do. You've got to uh, decide that you're gonna live off one income for all of your primary major bills. Uh, you know, Jo Beth would teach a little bit over the years, and so she made a little bit of an in- income. Uh, that was much later even then that she taught a, a class, just one class. How um, much she make a little bit of income? That income never went into our money for budget. That never went into that money for, for that. And here's the reason. If you have two incomes and you start off you know, and you're, you're young married, got no kids, and you have two incomes, and you buy a house based on the two incomes. You buy a car based on the two incomes. You buy furniture based on the two incomes. And so you're paying notes on that, and you're doing okay because you've got two incomes. Now what happens is, is a child comes along, and, uh, and this is why uh, what happens normally is you're faced with this dilemma. You're faced with a, a, a mama that would say, you know, now that I've had this child, even though I may be a manager of a store, I may be, you know, assistant manager of a bank, I may be this, but I'd just rather stay home. Here's the problem. You can't. You know, you can't. And so uh, then what happens is you, you take a six-week maternity leave, and then you go back to work, and you hand your little six-week baby over to somebody else for about nine, ten hours a day to take care of them. It uh, is really not God's plan. Also, it, it puts a lot of stress on the relationship. And here's all you have to do. It, it's, it's, a, it's really just it's not a tough concept, and I just thought I'd throw it out. But here's what you do. You, you, if you're both working before you have children, you take one income, take his income, and you buy your house based on that income. You buy your car, if you get a car, based on that income. You, you, anything that you buy, any note that you're going to have, it's based on that one income. You say, what do you do with the other money? Man, that's where you just sock it away, and then you, you go buy a car cash. You, go, you put a, a, a great down payment on a house. Uh, you just, you know, you have, that's a little bit of mad money just to go enjoy some things if you want to. But you, you use it like that, 
and then you build it up. You, or you, maybe you say, well, hey, we want a new washer and dryer, and you go pay cash for it. And bam, you pay cash for it. It's all done. So it doesn't affect your income over here. So now uh, you, can, you, you do all this, and then all of a sudden, here's a baby comes along. Well, that's going to increase your expenses without a doubt. But here's what happens. When you have two incomes and you have these expenses, okay? Uh, now, here, you, when you have a baby, you increase expenses. But if you stop working now and go down to one income, here's what happens. You've increased expenses and decreased income, so that just... That, that throws you in a tailspin. But if you have, you base it off of one income and the baby comes and increases expenses, nothing's really changing much. You're not hurt that bad. There's a way that you can survive that. And so uh, uh, that's just my challenge to you is that, uh, and, and I'll just, just say it, once the baby does come, it's just God gave them to you to rear, not somebody else to rear. They really did. And so um, we, were, we were talking about it to couples retreat. Uh, um, you know, somebody make a comment. I think it was Jessica maybe said, made the comment, uh, something about somebody, uh, older person had given Jay some advice or something. They, I forget exactly. And I said, you know, that's, it's wisdom when you're willing to get wisdom. Uh, you know, it's wise to be willing to listen to somebody a little older and get wisdom. And I told you, you know, I didn't have, you know, 10 or 12 conversations with Joe Beth's granddaddy, you know, before he went to heaven. I didn't have that many conversations with, his, with her granddaddy. But in one conversation, we didn't say 20 words to each other, but he made one statement to me that changed our lives. And he said to me, when y'all get married, and I think it was before we were married, maybe right after, I can't remember, but... But he said, here's what you do. He said, I want you to keep Joe Beth at home. Let her take care of your family and take care of you. He said, everybody will tell you you can't survive. He said, you can. You may not have everything everybody else has, but you'll have everything that you need and you'll have a better life. And that hounded me in those early years of marriage because we began to do the same thing everybody else was doing and, uh, you know, I was working police department, wasn't making much money, and, and she, was, uh, she was doing some jobs and different things, and then here came a baby. And all I could think of is what he said. It kept ringing in my head what he said. And from that point on, from about eight months into our marriage until this day that, you know, she, took, she stayed home, took care of him. You say, you know, and the truth is, there's a lot of years we didn't have everything everybody else had. But I've said this all over the nation and really out of the nation. We didn't have everything everybody else had. But because of the sacrifices we we're willing to make, some of the things we we're willing to do, today I have everything everybody else wants. I really do. It's, I was praying on the way in this morning, just a short prayer, and I just thought of all of my sons-in-law standing up right this morning preaching, teaching the Word of God all over the world. And I just started praying for him and said, God, bless him. What, a, what an opportunity. What an what incredible thing. So I just wanted to throw that out to you since, uh, since you know, figured, you know, you're going to miss out on Brother Hopper's great teaching and Brother Hooker had nothing to give you. So uh, 
So anyway, here we go. Um, we, we've been doing it. Y'all are going to be behind the eight, those that came in here. We, we've been going through, we got about 30-something points on, on a character in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and one of the main characters of the book of Proverbs that we talk about is, is a person called the fool. The fool. And, and as we go through these 30-some-odd points about the fool, the reason we go through them is because God does. God goes through the book of Proverbs, and 30-some-odd times he mentions this fool, but he doesn't just mention him, he describes him. He gives us some attribute of a fool. He gives us something where we can recognize the fool, and we can also recognize the danger of a fool, and we can also recognize if we're becoming a fool and some of the things that may cause us to become one. So we've gone through about 15, 16, 18. I'm not sure exactly how many uh, that we have, but uh, the, I think the one we, uh, last couple of them that we, let, we ended on, I'll just begin here. I said last week, to lose your temper is to act like a fool. Uh, Proverbs 14, 17. If you look at Proverbs 14, 17, and uh, this is not an easy one for me because this is something I've battled my entire life and something I've really, you know, I'd love to say I've mastered, but you don't master it, I'm afraid. But I, you know, the truth is we don't master anything in, in the physical life, but we can get a lot better at it. But God says, fourteen seventeen, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. What he's saying is, is if you get angry quickly, he says you, you are demonstrating the attributes of, of a fool. You have the characteristics of a fool. Uh, and I think the one right before that, yeah, the, uh, I'll go ahead and give you this one. Uh, the uh, Proverbs 14, 16, Proverbs 14, 16, the verse right before it uh, shows that fools, God describes the fool. Fools are hot-headed and reckless. Uh, it says, the wise man feareth and departed from evil, but the fool rageth rageth and is confident. And that word rageth is a hot anger. And God's saying, here's how you can tell a fool. If he gets angry, intensely angry, he's got that real flash, hot temper. And watch this. When he does, it says he rageth and is confident. He's the guy that thinks he can take on anybody right now. You know, he's, he can whoop anybody in the room. He can take care of it because he's gone. His mind is gone. It, it's, it's like he's going he's gonna to challenge anybody. He'll challenge 10 of them, you know, because he's rageous and he's confident because of this anger. Now, that's, God says that's a fool. Then he goes to the very next verse that we just read, and in that very next verse, he says, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. He said, now, this is a fool. A fool is one that gets angry very quickly, and it's a hot, intense anger. And he said, now, watch this. God says, if you act that way, you're acting like a fool. So if we continue to act like a fool, guess what we will become? We'll become a fool. And so and, and uh, so the next one, though, we've got so many, we go through these fairly quickly. We've only got about really about 10 minutes. But the, um, you can learn nothing of value from a fool. This is uh, just another fact about a fool. It says in Proverbs 15, 7. So you just turn to the next chapter. You see, Proverbs 15, 7, it says, The, the lips of, a, of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fooleth doeth not so. And so he's saying, the wise man, when he speaks, man, you're getting knowledge. You're getting this understanding. You're getting something that's going to help you. He said, but the heart of a fool doeth not so. He said, that's not going to come out of the fool. That knowledge and understanding, that wisdom is not going to come out of a fool. 
And the best way to enrich your education is to listen to wise people. And, and that's what you've got to do. And it's, it, you have to have wisdom, really, uh, seeking wisdom before you understand who are wise people. And, and uh, that's why Psalm uh, teaches us that you, you don't want to be under the counsel of the ungodly. You don't want to uh, stand in the way of, of sinners and, and sit in the seat of the scornful and and uh, he's the best. There's, there's, however, no educational value in listening to a fool. That's what the scripture says. They, but the heart of the fool doeth not so. And again, we're repeating. But uh, here's the next one. You cannot force folly out of a fool. And this is, this is something that we, we also, so often, uh, if you have that heart and that attitude that, you know, you want to help people, you want to change people, you want to uh, make them different, you want to, you know, you can convince them. Well, let's look at what God says. Proverbs 27, 22. Look at Proverbs 27, 22. And we talked about this uh, last time, but I just thought we'd go through these real quickly. It says, you cannot force folly out of a fool. Proverbs 27, 22 says, though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, Yet will not his foolishness depart from him. And you're reading that and you think, what in the world does that say? Uh, what it means is to bray a fool, what to bray is to grind. And God says, now, if you grind this fool in a mortar, in a bowl, a big, big bowl, if you take that, now that's the way they would do the wheat. They'd put the wheat in there, and then they'd beat it with these, with these things. And I mentioned last week when, when I'm in Ghana periodically, they'll make something that's called fufu. Uh, to eat and and the way you make it it's like almost like a doughy kind of thing but they pound it you got a big stick and uh and i've done it before where you're in a big big bowl and this stuff's down in there and you're pounding it and every time you're you got to do it with a rhythm because there's there's somebody underneath you that's turning this stuff when you raise up they're turning it and you're coming back down so uh they're pounding that that uh, what they call fufu, they're pounding this wheat uh, with a pestle. And so you grind the wheat with this club, you're pounding it. And God says, you can do that to a fool. You can, that's how extreme it is. You said, you can try to beat it, pound it, grind it out of a fool, and you, won't, you can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, he says, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. It's just not going to come out. And so Look, hanging, and we, we got points that we've gone through already, but hanging around a fool is not going to change him. You think, I, I'm going to change him. Uh, Y'all haven't been here to hear this, but, but um, I was taught a long time ago, and I've, I've watched it now for 30 years to be proven, but my pastor from 30 years ago said that one mono plus no mono equals two mono. In other words, if you got one sick person and a, a well person and the two of them kiss guess what? That's not going to make this one well. No, you're going to end up with two sick people. And you spend, you spend that time and say, well, I'm, I'm going to, man, I'm going to get them back in church. I'm, you know, I just got to spend time with them, and I got to do this with them, and I got to keep working on them, and I got to keep talking to them. Here's what God says. It's not going to happen. He said, you could go so far as to just beat them up and try to beat that out of them. You're not going to get it out of them. You say, well, what hope is for somebody in this situation? He's called God. And this is a person that you've got to pray for. You've got to love them, but you cannot. And it's verses that we've, we've already passed through. But you cannot socialize with them because they will affect you. 
Now, that doesn't mean to be unkind to anybody. Never be unkind to anybody. You just can't spend time with them because they'll affect you, not them. You affect them. So, uh, next one. Next point, then. The... Uh, if a wise man, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 29.9. Look at Proverbs 29.9, a couple of chapters over. Proverbs 29.9, it says, If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. Yeah, God's saying, look, okay, so you've tried to fellowship with him, you tried to associate with him, you tried to be good to him, and you tried to convince him, that don't work. You've tried to whip the fire out of him, and that don't work. He says, now, now, now look at, look at, what it, what it says is, if a wise man contendeth, okay, you're just going to get, you're going to fight with them, argue with them, debate with them. And here's what God says. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no way. Sometimes fools laugh with scorn at those who seek to argue them out of their philosophies. Have you ever really got in a, in a debate with a real true liberal? Have you ever gotten a debate, honestly, with a Jehovah's Witness or, or, or a Mormon or a Church of Christ that has been in it a long time? Can I tell you, debate doesn't do anybody any good. I tell you what it does, usually if you're out visiting for the church, whatever, if you're out trying to reach people for Christ, usually the devil just uses that to waste all your time and keep you from being able to help other people that God had for you to help. But what he's saying is, is that you're not going to argue them into it. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to laugh and mock at you, or they're going to get angry at you. One of the two is going to happen, but you're not going to change them. Sometimes fools laugh with scorn at people who seek to argue them out of their philosophies. And other times they lose their tempers with rage. And again, that rage is a, a hot anger. In either case, the argument did not serve to convince the fool to change. You're not going to convince them to change. Uh, that argument never does. And, and I had learned this way, way back. I mean, uh, honestly, you know, uh, really 30 years ago, I, I, I dealt with a cult up at the Great Lakes Naval Base, and I found out that that's all they wanted to do. They wanted to get to you while you were there to visit sailors. They wanted to get to you, and they wanted to get you in an argument. Uh, a debate. You know what it becomes? It becomes a test of pride. Who knows enough scriptures that they can, you can pull out of the air uh, to fit your argument? And, uh, and so you get in there, and an hour later, you're still fighting with this guy. Well, he hadn't convinced you, and you hadn't convinced him. The truth is, he's made you more like him. You've become more foolish. And so it, it just doesn't do And you have those people at work. You have those people that you come in contact with that, that man, and here's what you think. You think, okay, I'm going to give them an incredibly reasonable, rational argument. They've got to understand this. No, they don't. They don't. You ever, you ever listen to some of them or watch some of them and think, you know, they've got to be dumb as a brick because it makes what they're saying makes absolutely no rational reasonable sense but to be honest with you very quickly in an a, argument if you rage yourself you're not going to make sense you're going to become more like them all right now so it never works it doesn't it just doesn't work and then um 
Uh, Next one, agreeing with a fool will turn you into one. Agreeing with a fool, so I said, I'm not going to argue with him, I'll just agree with him. Okay, here's what, Proverbs 26, 4. And it's, uh, it, this is a kind of amazing uh, two verses here, um, but I will, hopefully we have time to get to them. But it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest, also, uh, lest thou also be like unto him. Now, answer not a fool according to his folly. I, just to so look at the very next verse, and you'd think immediately, wait a minute, there's a contradiction here. It says, answer a fool according to his folly. The verse right before it said, answer not a fool according to his folly. This verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. But I'm, the rest of the verse on each one of these kind of gives us a clue. It says, answer not a fool according to his folly, verse 4 lest thou also be like unto him. If you're going to be like unto him, the answer that God's talking about, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him, it means that when you start answering, agreeing with him, you become like him. When you start, and, and sometimes we'll get tempted to find, oh, let me just, I'm going to try to find something to agree with him about. That way, you know, I can reach him that way. Once you start down that road, you started down a road to becoming like him. So God says, don't answer him in agreement with him. The very next verse says, answer a fool according to a volley, lest he be wise in his own conceit. What's this saying now? Okay, God's saying, look, when he is, is making his boisterous statements, when he's making his statements of confidence, when he's telling you how right he is, how intelligent he is in there, God's saying, go ahead and answer him and let him know he's wrong. At this point, and you say, now, why is it like that? Because God so much has said, don't debate with him, don't. You don't. You make one answer. One answer to show him he's wrong. And why do we do that? We, we don't have time to go into today. Because there's another person in, the, in Proverbs that it talks about, and it's called the simple person. Now, in Proverbs, you have three main characters. You have the wise man, you have the fool, and you have a simple man. Now, the wise man is living according to God's principles, and he's yielded to God's principles, and that's what he's trying to do is is trying to learn and obey God's principles. The fool is in direct disobedience to God's principles. Who's the simple? The simple is the one that doesn't know. He doesn't know God's principles. He's not good or bad. He's like a, a, a just, you know, we don't really have him anymore, but, you know, uh, the dry erase board y'all use over there, Brother Hopper, uh, he's got all that stuff written over there. I could take an eraser and wipe all of that off. Okay, right now it is a, a board of wisdom because it's got everything written on it. It's got all kinds of principles written on it. But it, before it was written on, it was blank. And they could have written a lot of unwise things on that same board while it was blank. That's what a simple person is. And here's why it's so important that periodically there's a point where you're going to answer a fool according to his folly. And here's the most important time, when the simple are present. Because God says to answer a fool so the simple will beware. 
If the fool is about to influence the simple, sometimes you have to stand for their sake and say, I'm going to answer you. So that they hear that what you're saying is foolishness. It's wrong and it's anti-God. Why? Because they don't know yet. They don't know. It's the reason we started the foundations class. Somebody comes brand new to the church and maybe he hadn't been at church or maybe not been at this church. Or yeah, I just want to get a real good foundation on the basic truths and principles. Now, some people, you know, have a lot of that, a lot of what's been taught they've, they've heard and they've already seen. And, 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 and so, you know, we, we moved and created a young adults class uh, because we've, we've heard a lot of it. But there's still those that are like I was when I walked into church for the first time. I mean, other than the Romans road to get saved, I'd never read any other Bible. So it's just a clean slate. What are we going to write on it? And thank God I had a good man for the six months of my life in church, started writing a whole lot of good stuff on, on my on my chalkboard, so to speak. All right, we've got about 17 minutes. We better go uh, about 17 minutes before church starts. And let me just remind you in case I somehow forget, but the kids will be having their, their coffee service after church today too. So right over there, they'll have it all ready. And uh, you'll be ready for another one, I'm sure, Joe Beth, right? All right. All right, you're dismissed. Thank you all. And wow, what happened to February weather? I'm burning up.